you don't like running, you got to admit, that looked pretty awesome, didn't it? And if you have been a runner in your life, you just want to just put on the uh, shoes and get out there and do that. Absolutely incredible. Well, we want to welcome you here today to Crosstown. It's a great place to be. And, and, and talking about running, you're actually traveling today. Your missionary team that you are sponsoring is entering into Burma and heading towards the orphanage at this moment. I just got a, a phone call notifying me that they were on the bus heading there. And the support and the giving that you have done over this year has gone with them and that we are buying all the medicine that will be used in this medical missions trip over there in Burma. So let's just give it up for them and for you. And then there's God, too, you know? So I'm really excited about their trip. Also, I want to remind you this coming Wednesday is our Encounter Wednesday. It's a time of worship. It's a time where we just get, we seek the work of the Holy Spirit into our lives. We do it the first Wednesday of every month. Uh, it may be a little bit out of your comfort zone. Nothing really weird happens there. But let me just tell you, the potential of God in those moments is significantly high. So we invite you to be. We have child care. We'll be ready to go, and it's a great time. Also, I want to talk about something else. You know, we're, we're approaching, we look at politics all the time, and we're always talking about um, making America great again, or whatever the latest catchphrase would be by whatever candidate that's going to do amazing things for us. But I, I think we need to really look at what we've learned from sociology about where America becomes great again. And what we have found is that between the ages, the, uh, grade three and grade eight is where America is born and defined. Between, the, between third grade and eighth grade is where America is becoming great again. And I want to encourage you. Children's ministry here at Crosstown is not just something that we do to take care of children so that you guys can get preached at. But rather, we really believe that if you can capture the heart of a child with belonging, love, compassion, and truth in the most confusing time of their lives, between third grade and eighth grade, we believe, and I think the social science has proven, that you can change a country based upon ministering to third graders, enabling them to read, enabling them to believe, enabling them to have hope. So I want to encourage you, if you're looking for an opportunity to reach and make a difference in America, you will do it far more than who you cast your vote for You'll do it far more by serving in one of our incredible children's ministries here at Crosstown. And then we can make something out of America that's even greater when young people have the heart and the love of God. Let me encourage you to consider it. Brian will be coming up after the, after the service, and you can talk to him about how you can get plugged in. So... We've been using this summer as a season of catching our second wind, and I hope you guys have been catching it, whether through your vacations or some times to relax. It, the last week in Charleston, has it been, like, like amazing? I mean, it's, it's like this really is the best city in the whole country. I mean, it has just been absolutely amazing. But the scriptures talk about running a lot, and it seems to be an analogy that works really well to illustrate what our faith is like. And for a lot of us, we get into that place where we lose our breath. 
If you've ever been in a run where maybe you started too fast or the terrain got too difficult where you, your, your, your lungs have emptied out and the lactic acid is building up in your muscles and you get that rigor mortis feeling and you're just seeing that you know, to can't get that cleansing breath in your life. Well, it's the same thing happens to every one of us through the experiences that we have daily. We get exhausted. We face these challenges. We have a buildup of anxiety or conflict or anger in our lives. We experience adversity from the things around us. So the Apostle Paul was experiencing the exact same thing, so he wrote the second wind epistle to the Corinthians. He wanted them to be able to breathe in again and to have a moment of rest and to to kind of re-energize with the grace of God. And he said in 2 Corinthians 4, 16, he says, we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. And so our objective has been that through the wisdom of God, through the spirit of God, that we would spend the summer re-energizing in our faith, re-energizing in God's presence in our lives, taking time to just get to know him more and, and, and just take a rest from the pace of racing all the time and allow our muscles, allow our, our faith, our emotions to kind of recoup and be re-energized. So if you've done any running at any level, you've discovered one of the most important things you've got to have if you're going to be a runner. And that's the need for a real good running partner. I mean, having somebody to run with is really important. If you go to the gym by yourself, you know how difficult it is to stay on pace. You know how hard it is to finish the workout. You know, you can just talk yourself right out of the gym. Well, with running, it's even easier. You can, you can easily talk yourself out of a, a five or a seven-mile run real easy on a bad day. But there's a few good things that a running partner does for you. Um, one, I, you know, when you're looking for a really good running partner, you've got to make sure that you find somebody that's going the same direction that you're going. It's kind of a fundamental thing. A really good running partner will be going where you're going. Also, the running partner that you'll pick if you're into running will be just as serious about running as you are. There's nothing worse than running with somebody that's hating the running experience and doesn't want to run. But if you're a runner, you want to run with somebody who feels the same way about running that you feel about it. They they value your interest in running. Um, Here's another thing about a a good running partner, that they can run at your pace, that, you know, you're able to maintain the pace that you want to go, and they're able to go with it also, and you also want them to be able to talk at that running pace, you know, because you want to be able to have some conversations. If if you're doing a lot of these long runs, you want to be able to interact, so you want them to be able to not only do the pace, but you want them to be able to dialogue at that pace, but you also don't want them to talk too much. Because, because you went for a run. You didn't go for a chat. So you got to find somebody that has the ability not only to run, but also to be able to talk at the level that you want to talk. Um, you want to f- run with somebody that wants to better you while bettering themselves. I mean, you, they want to have, they have that vision that, that hey, I, they want to be a better runner, but they also want to help you become the best runner that you could possibly be. You also want one that warns you of um, potholes. 
that when you're running down the road and all of a sudden you run into, on a Charleston road, there are potholes all over the place. You want somebody that's going to you know, warn you about it or about a crazy dog. I remember I was doing a run one time and me and this buddy were, were jogging along and we're out doing a run and uh, all of a sudden he takes off. And, you know, we were just putting in some distance and I mean, he's like flying. And I'm like, what the heck, man? You know, and then I look behind me and there's this pit bull chasing us as fast as, you know, and, and I can remember I had to jump over a fence into somebody's yard. I mean, I had to get away from the dogs. I'm like, dude, you know, you're my running partner. You're supposed to warn me about the dog that's about to bite me. But he just took off. But a good running partner is somebody that warns you about potholes. Also, a good running partner is the person that can motivate you on a cold, rainy day. Oh, they're the worst, aren't they? I mean, they're just like the worst day to go to the... I mean, going to work on a cold, rainy day is hard enough, but going to the gym on a cold, rainy day, going out into the rain and running and putting in the mileage, it's really incredibly hard. But you want a running partner that has the ability to do that. So the Apostle Paul talks about our running partners in life. And and I'm going to go out on a limb here, but I'm going to say that after praying or or after thanking God for mercy and compassion and, and the kindness that we experience through Jesus, the number one prayer that Paul prays in all of his epistles after thanking God for all of his wonderful goodness and mercy and kindness, the next prayer that he prays is he thanks God for his running partners. Now you would think there would be a couple other things that we would pray for first, like good health or maybe a a lot of good money from the job or something like that. I mean, that's how I would prioritize it. I would be like, you know, if God did something good for me, that would be the thing that would kind of shove to the front. But the Apostle Paul, in all of his epistles, is thanking God for all of his mercy. It's funny. It's like, I thank God always for his mercy and his kindness. And, and then he goes into this prayer about, and I thank God for you always. That his running partners were the, right after the grace of God, were the most significant element of his Christian faith. And I don't think of a lot of us think of it that way. Listen, listen to what he says in Philippians 1.3. I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I mean, he's always thanking God for the people that run alongside of him, that partner with him in the gospel of God and and that, that mercy and that grace and that truth, people that kind of open him up to grow more. And he's constantly thanking God for it. So he talks to us about this issue, about our running partner, and, he, and he's about to talk to us about, you know, we need to have good running partners, but he also warns us about the people that we're running with that are not helping us develop in our Christian faith. So listen to this, 2 Corinthians 6, he says, we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, our heart is wide open to you, you are not restricted by us. But you are restricted in your own affections. 
He, he's saying, listen, we are wide open. We're, been, we're trying to make you better. We're trying to help you in your faith. We're trying to help you in your journey. We're doing everything possible. We're running partners that are, that are encouraging. We run alongside of you. We, we, we challenge the pace. We help you become a better runner. We're, we're helping things be wide open for you. Your potential level, when you're running with us, is wide open. He says, we're not slowing you down. You're, you're not turning around looking at us to see, you know, if we're going to run any longer. But rather, we're constantly wide open, and we're constantly giving you more potential. And he said, but your restrictions are, are not us, but you are restricted in your own affections. He's like, you're the one that's messing up your pace. He said, your restrictions are coming from you. The difficulties that you're having, the restrictions that you're having are, are coming from you. Now, it's interesting the word that he used here when he talks about restrictions is the word stenosis. And we experience stenosis physically in the, the shrinking of our arteries as they get clogged, but also in our spinal columns, whether you have disc problems. Sometimes that, that column that surrounds the spinal cord can begin to shrink, and it begins to cause a lot of pain in your life. And he's saying that, that your stenosis, the shrinking of your potential as a person, the shrinking of the potential of your marriage, your God calling, your faith, the, the, the tightening of that is not happening because of God. It's not happening because uh, your, your church isn't helping you. It, it's, it, he's saying, listen, it happens because you're restricting yourselves in some of your affections and some of your choices. Now, the word affection pops up there. So the first thing that I was thinking about was, you know, maybe drinking too much. Um, your affections because you like the ladies too much or, you, you know, clubbing or whatever. I mean, whatever we could kind of imagine as, well, and he talks affections, he's, he's, he's talking about porn here, or he's talking about, but it's interesting, the Apostle Paul, he, he, he opens this thing up about how are you running and what's slowing you down, and then he talks about what's slowing you down is your, your choices and your affections, and he doesn't go into any behavior. He goes into who you're running with, which I think is really interesting. Because we never make that the next important thing in the conversation. So he goes right into it, that he says our greatest source of stenosis is our running partners. And so in 2 Corinthians 6, 14, he continues. He says, and, and let me just say, this is, this is a doozy. This is a doozy scripture. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnerships has righteousness with lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness or what accord has Christ with Biel now Biel is just a kind of a uh, a devil phrase in in Hebrew culture that would what what fellowship or accord does Christ have with the devil or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever what agreement has the temple of God with idols for we are the are the temple of the living God, as God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. 
wow. Talk, I mean, we're in a culture of inclusiveness. This really doesn't sound very inclusive. Well, let me just say what this isn't saying. Before you jump out of here, let me just say what this isn't saying. This is not saying that we're giving up on people that are not like us. That's not what it's saying at all. Also, this is not saying that God doesn't love some people and, and literally tell with them. This is not giving us permission to condemn other people. And this doesn't mean that you should only work with Christians and that we should build a giant commune someplace and we all go hide in the mountains of Tennessee and, and just avoid the world. I don't know why Tennessee was chosen, but it seems like a good place to go. But rather, what this is talking about is enabling and restricting the people we partner with. And don't we understand that there is a difference between people that we live with, the people we talk with, people we work with, people you know, we interact with, and the people we partner with? The Apostle Paul said, do not be unequally yoked. Now, that's not a word that we use. It's an old-fashioned agrarian word. It's what a, a word farmers would use. What would happen is that farmers would take animals, maybe two animals, and he would put it a wooden yoke over the two animals and then use that, those animals to begin the process of plowing a field so that the, he could begin the process of planting. Well, the problem is, is that if, if the animals are not the same kind of animals and the same kind of size animals, well, you end up with a different kind of plowing result. For instance, if you have an ox in one and then you have a, a donkey on the other, well, we have ourselves now a fight between the yoke. And that fight between the yoke, between the two animals, because of their size, will begin to drive the way that you're plowing and, and kind of mess it all up. Also, the gait of a mule is different than the gait of an ox. So therefore, you, you may have this kind of going back and forth effect that will take place because the yoke's not the same. But what he's talking about, this is, is not talking about the people that you interact with on a daily level, but he's talking about the people you bind yourself in relationship of partnership with. Who leads you? That's what he's talking about. Who speaks truth into your life? That's what he's talking about. Who do you open up to? Who do you share your life with? The deep, dark things about you, the hidden things that the average person, when you're going to Targets or wherever you're working, where you just don't really share. You know, everybody comes in on a Sunday morning, hey, how you doing, Hey, Everything's great, you know? And, but there are a few people that we open up to, the ones that we share our lives with. That's what he's talking about. How about the people who hold you accountable? The people that have the right to speak into your life and tell you, hey, dude, you know, you really need to forgive your wife or the way you just talk to your kids. Now, now some of you are like, I don't have anybody like that. I'm not letting anybody tell me about how I talk to my kids. Well, I'll tell you, after God... After the cross of Christ, the resurrection, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, after God, who you run with is the most important choice you'll make in your life. 
But for some of us, we have it like down number after we get the car, after we get the house, after we've picked our job, and then we'll end up making that choice. Paul's asking the question, who are you immolating? Who do you look up to? Who, whose life are you copying? And in that, he's saying, listen, I do not want you to be unequally yoked with people who are not following after God. Did not say, and you could walk out of here and you can tweet it out, local pastor says that we should not talk to unbelievers. You would be lying, okay? This is not that. This is talking about the people you are partnering with. This is talking about your besties. This is about the people that you're, you're choosing to date at this particular moment. Um, this is a really important thing for every single one of us. Paul says that the way... The, the people that we run with can either open us up to the potential of God or can actually create stenosis in us. That there are actually people that we can walk through life with that actually narrow our potential. Uh, I was, um, the people we travel with create their own ecosystem. And I, I think that's kind of a cool way to look at it. I'm a real naturalist. Um, ecosystems are really important to me. You know, when you go up a creek and you go up there, that whole creek has its own ecosystem. The birds are there. There's certain crabs and certain little uh, fish in the water. And, and you kind of go up. And, oh, there could be this giant ocean over here and this giant river over here. But when you go up a creek, you enter into this little estuary and this ecosystem. And it's got its own way of talking and dialoguing and flowing. And I mean, it's just absolutely incredible. But the people that we travel with create their own ecosystem. I had this experience the other day. Um, I was driving to work, and driving to work is is sport for me. I mean, it's I, I it may be wrong. No, it's not wrong. What am I even lying to you for? It's not wrong. Uh, driving to work is sport for me because the other ones are falling off. I need a new sport. So when I get in my car, so I come, I'll come around the corner down 17, shoot on the Beats Ferry Road. Um, don't worry, I keep 400 bucks in my pocket to pay the ticket, but I, I, it's a sport for me. And so um, I'll come up in the car, and there'll be a car going around the corner, and I'll, and then there'll be a light. And lights aren't just something to, to get through. They're things to beat people through, okay? So, so I, will, I will beat a car through a light, and that's when it'll become so important to me that if it turns yellow and I think that this guy will get caught in the light, I'll go through the light because he'll get caught. But here's the interesting thing. As you do this down Beast Ferry Road, you'll find the traffic is flowing kind of like this because of the different lights. But that if you race ahead, you'll look in your rearview mirror, well, at least I do, look in my rearview mirror to see if that truck that I passed got stuck at the light behind you. And I'll be like, yeah, <laughs> he got stuck in the light. He thought he was going to beat me, you know. And now he's probably not even thinking of me, or at least he thinks I'm a weirdo, okay. But the interesting thing is then I'll look like three lights ahead. I will look and see he's in a different traffic ecosystem. He's now hanging around with a Ford Focus and a couple other different cars. And they're back there, and the light timing is totally different for them. But now I'm in a new group. 
Okay, now I've got a Ford Mustang next to me, and now I've got a different car that just came in from Grand Oaks, and that relationship with all those cars and drivers has come in, and now I'm at a new light at Walmart, and, and now it's a whole different group. But it, I was noticing as I was driving is that each of these lights kind of determines my, this driving ecosystem that I was in. And see, life does the exact same thing. You go through these special times in life when life says go and when life says stop. And then all of a sudden you, you stop and you pull up at the light and you look around and you see who you're with. Who did I marry? Huh. Who am I hanging out with? And then there'll be another event in life that says go and you'll move forward. And, and maybe these people don't move forward as fast as the other as you're moving forward. Or maybe they choose to turn and go in a different direction. And there are these demarcations in life of green lights and red lights that you're going back and forth, back and forth. And all of a sudden you'll turn around and realize I'm in a whole different traffic flow than the person that I passed just 10 minutes ago because of the different lights. And so the Apostle Paul is warning us and talking to us and encouraging us and challenging us about the rhythm of movement among people. To think about the ecosystem of friendships that we're in and that they are very important because those ecosystems can either open the potential of God in you wide open or they can become systems that will begin to shut you down. There may be people we're traveling in that are in that, are in that group because they're of the same faith. Or they may be people that we're traveling with because they're in the same addiction. They have the same bad habit. Or maybe they have the same worldview. Or maybe there are getting high friends. And if you've ever been in that culture, which I have been, you realize that when you decide you're going to follow after Christ and that you decide you're not going to get stoned every Friday night anymore, that you realize that there's a whole ecosystem you have to say goodbye to. That you can't travel there any longer. That if your life is really going to wide open with the potential of God, that sometimes you have to look at the... Some of us are traveling in an ecosystem of unforgiveness. We're constantly going from light to light. We're just partnering with unforgiveness the whole way that we travel down the road. And so Paul says we need to check our relational ecosystem. There are some people we need to catch up to. There are some people we need to be, you know, that's a good runner. That person's hard after Christ. That person is, I, I see the way he loves his wife. I see the way that, that she's raising her children. I see the way that they're following after God. I need to be running with that group of people. And then there are also some people that we need to allow some distance to be created from us. That when we get around them, we just allow ourselves to be dragged down. Now, let me just say this very quickly. Um, that there are people that may be your ministry, but they may not be called to be your running partners. We're not giving up on anyone. So there are some people that I'm called to minister to, but that doesn't mean that they should be my personal running partners. They may be people I stop and help. And we need to check that there may be some people we need to create some distance from, that we need to break the rhythm of dysfunction. I mean, if you're st always dating guys who, who are angry, guys who drink too much, there's a tr you got a traffic dysfunction going on there. 
I mean, if we're, we're always finding ourselves being bitter, we got to look around and say, okay, who am I traveling with here? Because there are people who learn to forgive. I need to travel with those people. I need to travel with people that have hope and that give peace to others and give love to other people and speak truth to one another. So scripture is saying that we need to check who we are running with. Do they slow down my pace after God? Do they challenge me to run at a better pace for God? Every one of us are going to be in a small group. Um, when you rode down Beast Ferry Boulevard, which is called uh, Beast Ferry uh, Road, but I'm actually petitioning the city for it to be called a boulevard, uh, and because it's got so many lights and it's got so many lanes and because we're here, I think it should be classified as a boulevard, you know, doesn't it? So, but, you know, you go through, you go through life, and, and, um, but we're all part of a small group. I know you may think you're a loner. You, may, you might pretend you're a loner, but you're not a loner. I don't think all of us drive with nobody else in traffic. I don't think there's any of us that goes to a work where there's nobody else at work. I don't think any of us go to a Publix where there's nobody else at the checkout. I don't think any of us goes, we're all moving in ecosystems. The question is, is what kind of ecosystem is yours? So when we start up small groups here in the fall, we're not just doing our religious thing. What we're doing is creating these ecosystems that have all the right components to them so that you can grow in your relationship with Christ. These are, these are small groups. These are ecosystems so that your potential can be wide open. And, but you say, I don't do small groups. Oh, yes, you do. You are traveling. Well, next time you get in your car when you're leaving here, you're going to be in a small group. From light to light, you're going to be in a small group. From, from, from line to line, you're going to be in a small group. From tax group to tax group, you're going to be in a small group. From age to age, you're going to be in a small group. You're going to travel with somebody. But the Apostle Paul says, after Christ, it is the biggest choice that you will make in your life. I want you to listen to some of the positive and negative aspects of, of running with the right or with the wrong partner. And I'm just going to race right through these. It was a running joke, so I'm sorry. I, um, Proverbs 13, 20. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Not maybe it will happen. You, you hang around with a fool, you partner with a fool, you're going to experience harm. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, 10. He says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either one of them falls, the one who will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. My goodness. It's one of the greatest, I think, one of the greatest horrors of life uh, is, is not being in pain. I think the greatest horror in life is being in pain alone. And pain is something that comes to all of us. But being in pain alone, I think, would be the worst thing that a human being can experience. Psalm 1-1, how blessed is the man, or you could say woman in there, but you know it was written towards a real, there was a real man thing going on in the Old Testament. How blessed is the man or woman who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. How blessed I love this, Proverbs 27, 9, especially if you're into uh, all those essential oils. Um, this is an essential oil that's way better than the rest. It says, oil and perfume make the heart glad and 
the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. It's having that person that can speak into your life the wisdom of God. Yeah, we can make our houses smell real good with all those really cool fragrances and all that stuff, and we think it's really cool, and, and we can kind of pretend that it's healing our bodies and kind of giving us, I've been told, don't you dare talk about these fragrances in church because you'll lose half your congregation. But let me just tell you, the best fragrance you can add to your life is godly counsel. That will make a fragrance come into your life like no, no other. Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Do you have that person in your life that sharpens you? Not the person who always agrees with you. You know, the, not the one that banters about your husband when you banter about your husband. You need somebody that, that values your marriage as much as you should value your marriage. Proverbs 27, 6, this one's so important. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Do you have somebody that's lovingly willing to wound you? But deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. But isn't it interesting? These are the people we're trying to please. We dress for these people. We live for these people. We party with these people. We try to get the kisses of our society. But they can be so deceitful. This one blows me away. And I have thought about this maybe from a scientific, maybe this has something to do with the seven laws of thermodynamics and the particularly number two entropy. I don't understand why this works this way, but it's 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. I always thought this was weird because you would think I can fix anybody. You know, I was like, no, if I hang around with her, enough or, and I have to say, I'm just going to kind of get gender specific. I hear so many women who think that they're going to change their boyfriend into the guy that they believe he should be and that I believe I can change him. And the apostle says, you know, it's like, let's be clear. Don't fool yourself. Bad company corrupts good morals. It does not say, do not be deceived. Good morals change bad company. It doesn't say that. Proverbs 22, 24, make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Proverbs 12, 26, the righteous is a guide to his neighbor. But the way of the wicked leads them astray. Who are you running with? Are you running with, well, I'm here to tell you, you're running with somebody. But is it the right kind of people? I mean, and I'm not talking about talking to people. I'm not talking about if you go over somebody's house to a party type of thing. I'm, I'm not talking, the Apostle Paul says, you know, if I meant the unbeliever, then we would have had to leave the world. No, he's talking about the people that, Who's leading us? Who's speaking into us? Who are we emulating? Who are we sharing our lives with? Who are we opening up to? Who are we allowing correct us? Who are we allowing inspire us? Who are we yoked with? Who are we plowing the field that's going to grow the future? What ecosystem are we raising our children in and our marriage in and our relationships in? I don't know if I made this quote up or not. 
I know it sounds kind of silly, but I, I, because it, when I looked at it, it was really, a really good quote, but I, I, I'm going to say that maybe somebody else came up with it and I read it. But the greatest creature you will find in all the earth is a friend who is seeking God. It's the greatest creature on this planet is a good friend. I mean, I'm serious. Just let that drop into your head. When you find a friend who is seeking after God, a good friend, you have found the greatest creature on the planet. There's no other creature that will benefit your life more than a friend who's following after God. So as we close out this run together, let's enter into this moment of expressions. And that's our, this is the time when we take communion. It's a time where we just have another song of worship. Maybe a time of prayer with one of our pastors or, or maybe just writing something between us and God and pinning it to the cross. But let, let's ask ourselves a couple questions. Am I running with the right people? Am I in an ecosystem that follows after God? Are my choices in my partnerships the second most important decision I will make in my life? And I, can I just add just one thing here, and I think I'm feeling like really pressed to say this. If you're married to a person who's not your best running partner, don't freak. But don't get rid of them either. If they're willing to run alongside of you with your faith, that's cool. So let me encourage you. Find someone that you can run with. Someone that can encourage your faith. Somebody of the same gender that can strengthen you. That can point you towards Christ. That can help you encounter your potential. So today, let me encourage you to do one of three things. Pray for a godly friend if you don't have one. Position yourself for a godly friend. You say, oh, what do you mean by that? Well, you're probably not going to find them at a bar. Let me encourage you to position yourself to find somebody. And, and this August and September, when we start our small groups, we're going to offer you the opportunity to position yourself in relationships that run hard after God. And then also, can I ask you to do the hard work of considering parting from a restricting friend? Maybe there's just somebody that when you're around that, and, and I had a buddy like this, and he came to Crosstown, and, and we spent years together. Loved this guy. And he always wanted to hang out, but he kept cheating on his wife. Then he'd want to hang out with me, and he kept cheating on his wife. Then he left his wife, got another wife, and he started cheating on his wife. And then he'd want to get together and talk to me about how much he loves God, and he kept cheating on his wife. And I had to. I mean, I loved the, this man. I still love him to this day. And I'm like, dude, I can't hang with you. You're not good for my marriage. I don't need you telling me about all the, the women you had this week and also I don't need you telling me that this is the kind of Jesus I'm supposed to be following we need to stop hanging out together you say wow that's hard it's like 
after Jesus, the second most important thing to me are the people I surround myself with to help me pursue my relationship with God. And maybe you're in that place where you're dating. Maybe you're hanging out with people who are restricting your journey with God. I'm talking partners, partnering in life with people who pull you down. I think this is a really important moment for all of us because it's, you know, I've had to walk away from some friendships that I've, I've loved the friendships. I think this is really hard. I think this is the hard part about Jesus being crucified on the cross. And when all of his disciples ran away, I can't help but believe that somehow that just added to the, the suffering of Christ on the cross because it's hard to lose friends. So let me encourage you to think about, you don't need a gazillion friends, but you do need running partners. Somebody that shares your heart, your faith, that's going where you're going and wants to make you better. And then I guess we gotta ask ourselves, am I that kind of runner? When I run with people, do they get better? Do I help their pace? Or do I drag them down? Do I slow them down? Wow. So let's just let God do what God wants to do. So as we're in this last few moments together, just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Father, as we hear, we're in this moment with you and you said that you are our God and we are your people. And that you would walk with us, and that you would live life with us. But you also told us to come out from among, be separate. So Father, we... We ask that you would give us your Holy Spirit right now to help us know what that means. For some of us to give us the courage to seek friendships. For some of us, God, to have the courage to position ourselves to experience godly running partners. For some of us, God, this may be a moment we walked in here praying on an issue about a friendship or a future marriage or dating situation or a work situation and God today you're challenging us and you say listen it, it may be time for you to walk away not in condemnation but so that we can be wide open to follow after you so Father we ask for your Holy Spirit in this all important 